Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 40 of The Revenge of Kang. This page contains chapter 16, entitled Getting Into Aerodyne, which is accurate as far as what you do in this chapter, uh, but hilariously inadequate to how it feels to do what you do in this chapter. As you'll recall from last time, our heroes, the Misfits, showed up in their timeship on a ridge overlooking the Aerodyne facility, where the future Fantastic Four are destined to steal a rocket and fly into space and realize at the last minute that they've forgot to put any kind of protective devices on the rocket uh, and crash and get superpowers. However, our heroes know that Kang has come back with an insidious plot to prevent Reed Richards from making bad decisions, which is all that Reed Richards has. Without that, how is he supposed to gain powers and kick off the Marvel Age of superheroics? So the Misfits need to find some way to prevent Kang from preventing Reed Richards from fucking up because the fate of the world literally depends on it. It is only because the entire world, if not the entire timeline, is literally at stake that our heroes would even consider digging their way through the bullshit on this page. Because with no real information about where Kang is or what Kang is up to, how this is supposed to come together, what's going to ruin the Fantastic Four's historic flight here, our heroes just have to get into this secure facility and look around. Just just kind of walk around and see what's up. And here's the procedure for that. Quote, Ask the players to decide whether they would like to break into Aerodyne right away or wait for nightfall. As they watch the camp, the PCs will notice jeeps with guards circling the encampment about once every 10 minutes. Each jeep holds four soldiers. After nightfall, most of the complex goes dark, and one of the soldiers leaves his post at the main gate. There is now only one soldier on duty at the gate. Patrols also seem less frequent after nightfall. So you've got two options to get inside the facility. You can get over the wall, or you can get past the guard. And then, of course, there are a bunch of other superpowers-based options. You know, the Vision's going to have no difficulty here. If you're playing the West Coast Avengers, on the Misfits, realistically, Advika Ja would probably just fly in here in astral form and snoop around that way. But she can't touch anything in that form, so if it turns out that a clue is in a drawer somewhere, she would have to come back in physical form. Physical form is where our troubles begin, because the Misfits, uh, they're not a stealthy bunch. This is a secure aerospace facility in the 1960s, and the roster of the Misfits is a robot mermaid, a bright red woman who's not wearing any clothes, a woman of color with bulky equipment and a visible disability, and a teenager who, to use the full extent of her powers, must turn into a humanoid prism. These are women who, based on their appearance, would probably want to hide when one of these jeep patrols comes around, but they are very bad at hiding. Advika Ja has an agility of feeble. Glass Cannon has an agility of poor. Assuming that we want a scouting party with full drawer-opening capabilities, and therefore Advika Jaw's ghost form is disqualified, the best stealth capabilities on the team actually belong to Ronda Dela Cruz, the theoretically civilian identity of Superball. Although, as we have seen time and time again, Ronda Dela Cruz is, in many meaningful ways, the actual superhero in this relationship. She has an agility of 30, a lot of coordination, she did defuse bombs professionally for a long time. So this brings us to the first big decision on this page. Whoever our heroes are, in this case the Misfits, they have to decide, do we want to send the whole team in in case there's a fight with these security people, or do we want to send in just the one or two stealthiest members of the team and have everybody else hang back so they don't fuck up these stealth roles? 
Well, I guess it depends on how many stealth rolls they're going to be and how difficult they're going to be. Let's find out. Let's assume that our heroes somehow get over or through or past the gate and into the facility. What does it entail searching this facility? And we're going to be talking here about different sublocations within the base. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. There's going to be a public post free for everyone with a map of the Aerodyne facility so you can see the places that I'm talking about. So first of all, let's talk about the patrols that are sweeping around here, making this scene a pain in the ass. There's a patrol of four guards that comes around every five rounds, no matter where the characters are in the facility. Quote, whenever the patrol arrives, each of the heroes must pass an excellent intensity agility feat roll in order to hide and avoid the soldiers. If the soldiers spot the heroes, they will attempt to take them prisoner. So this is not Metal Gear rules. This is not like if you fail your roll, then, you know, you hear the little Metal Gear sound and then you got to like scramble to like run around a corner or, you know, whatever, until the guards lose interest and slip easily back into a false sense of security. If anybody fails any one of their roles, it's time to fight the guards. If you lose in one of these encounters, obviously you're captured, which is a separate scene that we'll take a look at soon. If you are noticed by a patrol, but then you manage to get away from them, so like you beat them in a fight or you flee or whatever, then guard patrols are doubled. So that not only does the patrol now come around every three rounds, but it consists of six soldiers. And there's a note that this is assuming that you go in in the nighttime. In the daytime, it's a remarkable intensity stealth roll to avoid the patrols. Let's talk about this intensity. So as you could perhaps guess, I'm not thrilled with the use of the intensity rules here. However, in this case, I'm not sure if it's that the author didn't understand the effect of setting intensities like this, or if the author was just being deliberately punishing with these stealth checks. I don't know why, since there's no real alternative way through this situation, so it's weird to set difficulties so high to deliberately force failure. But that may be it, because th th this is not too difficult. Uh, conceptually, like it, it's not hard math. It's not a difficult design task to see what this is going to do to people. On a very basic level, what you're asking is for everybody who's in the scouting party, every five rounds they're in there, they need to make an agility feat roll. With an excellent intensity, that means that a character would need to have an effective agility of remarkable to just be free and clear and make these rolls normally on the normal table using the normal rules, which by the way, would mean a 65% chance of success for a character with remarkable agility, so that even in the happy event that you have a four-person team where all the heroes have a remarkable agility, when they all have to make a stealth check at once, there's only a 17% chance or so that they all succeed. And that's if you are all quick and nimble and well-equipped for stealth. Even like an elite team of your, like your two best characters, if they both have remarkable agility, the two of them together, both having to make a roll, their odds are less than even to make that one roll. If you don't have people on the team who have a remarkable or better agility, we're talking about single digits odds, probably for any one of them to succeed at one of these stealth rolls. And if you have a group of like multiple characters who don't have the requisite agility rank, literally we could be into fractions of a percent chance of succeeding on one of these rolls. So how many rolls are there? You ask, attuned as you are to the Mega Dumbcast format, knowing that the other shoe is yet to drop. The facility is split into a number of areas to search for clues. Since you don't know what Kang is up to, you have no idea which of these areas there might be clues in. You just have to kind of check them all out in whatever order. It takes two turns to move between areas, and then each area has a number next to its name indicating how many turns it takes to search. For example, the rocket pad has the number 10 next to it. That means it takes 10 rounds to search. For those not looking at the map, the areas that the player characters have to search include the rocket pad, which takes 10 rounds, the fuel dump, which takes four rounds, mission control, which takes five rounds, the lab, which has three areas that take three, four, and seven rounds to search respectively, a parking lot that takes two rounds to search, and a hill that takes three rounds to search. 
Given that it takes two rounds to move from one area to the next, that's a total of 48 rounds of searching to search the whole facility. With the patrol showing up every five rounds, which remember is if you've never been detected and if you're doing this in the dead of night, that's nine times when the group has to make a stealth check, but every person in the group has to make a stealth check. So if you've got a four-person group trying to sneak around and search this whole place, we're talking about 36 separate die rolls. To give you a sense of how likely we are to make these rolls here in the Misfits, here on Team Clumsy, Advikaja, Glass Cannon, and Superball have, respectively, a 1%, 3%, and 3% chance of making any one of these rolls. So obviously, the team's chance of making these stealth rolls, not just once, but nine times as a group, it's almost literally impossible. But even, let's say that only the stealthiest member of the group, Ronda Dela Cruz, drops her force field, transforms into her civilian identity for maximum stealthiness, just she attempts to search this entire facility. And the rest of the players, I don't know, go hang out in the hallway and complain about the campaign. God knows they've got plenty to talk about. Without the use of karma, she has a 2% chance to get through all these roles successfully. Keep in mind that the first time that she fails one, then the patrols start coming almost twice as frequently. So if she gets caught once, her chances of getting caught again go way up. Really, the only way you're getting through this is if somebody has some kind of special power that makes it more or less impossible for the guards to catch them. And just that person or those couple of people, if you're lucky, just take care of the entire search themselves. That is 48 rounds of searching an entire map conducted by only part of the player group while the other players do nothing. Barring that, barring special powers that just avoid all these roles, I mean, there are too many to just karma your way through, right? You just you just can't win. You'll just get caught. What happens if you get caught? Quote, if the PCs are ever captured, they will be taken and locked inside the small laboratory. The soldiers will then call General Gray. Now, it goes on to say that Gray takes a long time to show up, and then the judge should, quote, improvise an encounter in which the PCs escape, possibly making use of acids or equipment found in the lab. The walls and door of the lab are made of excellent material, and the lock is made of remarkable material. If the PCs continue to wander around the base after they have escaped, the guard is doubled as though they had been detected in the previous chapter. So, again, the guard is doubled if you manage to escape, and you've still got to search this place. And here's the thing. You you may be thinking, you don't really search the whole place, right? Because once you find what you're looking for, you're going to leave. Well, you would if you found, like, a dramatic clue. Like, if you found the real Reed Richards tied up, and then, like, the discarded packaging of a Reed Richards costume, so you know exactly what Kang is up to, and you can go take him down, then, of course, you're not going to search the rest of the facility. You know what you need to do. However, and this is, for the amount of effort that the players and the characters have to put in, this is shocking. All but one of these locations we've been talking about have nothing of interest in them. Rocket pad, nothing. Fuel dump, nothing. The laboratory, nothing. I mean, Reed Richards is at work there, but there's nothing you can learn from him or from the laboratory. All three parts of it, nothing. Parking lot, nothing. The hill, nothing. The only place where there's a clue is mission control. And here's the clue, quote, Lying on one of the control tables in a pile of papers is a list of the passengers who will travel aboard the Starship's first flight. The list reads, Jordan, L. Herman, M. Michaels, S. Written under the list in pen is Richards, R. The addition is signed General Alfred Gray. That's the clue. What the players are meant to surmise from this is that Reed Richards has been hastily added to the approved crew for the flight of this ship. For this reason, he is not going to steal the ship, which means there will be no Fantastic Four. Because his name was added under the authority of General Gray, we now know that General Gray must be somehow being influenced by Kang, and therefore the next thing we need to do is remember that when General Gray was talking to the guards outside, he said he was going to be at a cabin nearby. We should go to the cabin and find General Gray. 
And that's not an unreasonable train of thought. I mean, there are lots of other things that could have happened. For example, this little note could be forged. The thing is, it's just not quite like big or solid enough that you're going to see that and instantly be like, well, no need to search the rest of these eight locations. We've got what we need. Something about General Gray. Let's go. You're, you're going to continue the search, and this is going to take for fucking ever, and you're almost certain to be caught. And what's so frustrating is that after writing these rules about how to search stealthily a page full of empty locations, the author doesn't have enough room left to tell you what you're supposed to do when someone gets caught. So you're supposed to just improvise a scene where, like, the heroes break out of a room somehow. Whatever. Figure it out. So the dumbest thing on this page is this setup. The, this tremendous number of stealth rolls needed to carry out this laborious search for a weak-ass clue with such little support for what the judge is supposed to do in the nearly inevitable case that the heroes are caught. But there is one potential saving grace. If you've been paying attention all season, you will recall at the very beginning, before these adventures even started, at the beginning of the first book, in advice about how to put original player character groups together, the author told us that we needed to have a brainy person, a brawny person, and a stealth person. And I have consistently complained. It came up just a teeny bit in the Weird Weird West, but in almost every case where stealth has been an option, it's either been automatically successful or automatically a failure. Here we have a long series of challenging stealth rolls. So this at last is an opportunity. If we did follow the author's directive and create a stealth hero, three adventures into this path, the min-maxed stealth character finally has a chance to shine. So the question is, how high an effective stealth rating would you have to have to have good odds of being able to just like go into solo ninja mode and pass all these stealth checks and search the whole place? Shift Z. Shift Z is the effective stealth rating you would have to have to have not even bulletproof, but like better than even odds of getting through this fucking gauntlet of stealth checks. It's it, that it's unattainable. There's you simply cannot have a stealth rating that high as a player character. Characters like Wolverine, Craven uh, the Hunter, Nightcrawler, not even not even close to the level of stealth you would need to meet the author's exacting stealth standards in this scene. So even if you created a character with unearthly agility and and you have the espionage talent and you have everything going for you that you possibly could have, you're, you're twice as fast and twice as agile as Spider-Man, still not up to snuff. You still can't do this. You're going to have to spend karma. You're going to have to fight guards. You're going to have to spend karma. You're going to have to waste a lot of time. And remember, if they throw you in the fucking lab, because again, shades of Doctor Who, there's no real brig here. Like they just throw you into whatever set is convenient and lock the door if you're caught. Then you bust out. Now you got to spend more rounds getting back to where you were. All this time spent, all this karma wasted, all this time the other players are spending camping out in the hallway or whatever, waiting for you to be done. And what's the payoff? Someone wrote Reed Richards' name on a piece of paper. That's the clue. And the appropriate interpretation of that clue is we're in the wrong fucking place. We're supposed to be at the cabin. So join me next time for the cabin on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.